Up next on our biblical tour, we visit a state that we should have flown over. There's no place like Kansas, Annie M. Welcome to Monsters of the Midwest. Hey everyone, welcome on back to Monsters of the Midwest. We are doing another biblical nightmarish episode just for y'all. Just just from me. Just from me. Um, you're <laughs> welcome. Um, and thank you guys for all the interaction uh, with uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Uh, yes. We kind of both were a little shocked, but... I had a I told you so moment <laughs> with Lorraine uh, on that. I was I was so unsure about going the religious route because it is such a hot button topic. But um, we've had so many people recommend the Facebook page, you know, recommend th- this episode, this last episode specifically. Um, just people that I've seen that are here hearing our podcast in different countries and stuff. I saw Australia and Spain on there and it's been really great. Really? I didn't even know we had Spain and Australia. Welcome. Oh, welcome. Yeah. Canada. Hell fucking hey, yeah. Hey, up right. There. I love it. I love <laughs> it. That makes me really excited. Um, so here's another pleasant gift for you guys that are joining us here in the Midwest. Um, Cause we already started talking about religion, so a bitch yep. can't stop. I guess I got more. <laughs> I got more shit to say. Oh um, man, you know i I brought it a little bit uh, clean and polished last time, so we're gonna get a little raw and dirty this time. We're gonna get we're a little, gonna, a little more raunchy, get a little more rough and tumble. Yeah. So that's my <laughs> disclaimer for the episode. That's my disclaimer. Um, because this isn't a pretty episode. It's not pretty. No. So. It's it's um. It's full of hate, honestly. It's not our hate. Let's let's keep it real. But it's not it our might, hate. It might be at, towards the end of the episode. Uh, hate towards this hate, I guess. <laughs> right. Fighting, you know, fire with fire here. Um, but anyways, so last week we were up north in Muskegon, Michigan, enjoying the tall tales from the sweethearts of televangelism. Um, but Michigan is too fucking cold this time of year. I don't care if it's like March or February. It's too fucking cold up there. So yes, it is. It's time. We're about to load up this van because you got, you got that van moment, you know, um, (laughs) we're, we're going to head out West, bro. We're going to head out West. Well, kind of, kind of, um, we're going to make a stop in the capital of the beautiful flat ass state of Kansas. Topeka, Kansas. Topeka, Kansas. Topeka, Kansas. All right. So we're going to go back into the 50s. We both love a 50s moment. I do um, love a 50s moment. I do too. Um, so in the 50s, like this was a great spot of victory. It was Topeka, Kansas was the home of um, when the Supreme Court decided on the Brown versus Board of Education Ooh, case. Yeah. Yes. And they... Um, they had the whole like racial segregation um case, like case with schools and they deemed it unconstitutional it was it was fucking fantastic it was a great time to be in Kansas of the 1950s yeah you know yep. um it lots of celebration lots of inclusion it was 
It was monumental. Um, but in the same time, in 1955, which is actually a year later, a man by the name of Fred Phelps decided to celebrate this in his own kind of way. Uh-oh. So, yeah, let's talk about Fred. <laughs> All right. So, Uh-oh. yeah, and uh, stay with me here, folks, because I'm going to kind of jump around. But I promise we'll get to a, a solid end result here. All right. So talking about Fred. So he's an American minister and uh, disbarred attorney. You know, that's oh. already already solid choice here. Not um, good. Not good. <laughs> Anybody so, who doesn't know a disbarred attorney means that you are stripped of your title to be an attorney, basically. Right. <laughs> um. So Fred Waldron Phelps was born um, on November 13th, 1929 in Meridian, Mississippi. Um, He was the parents of two devout Methodists. So like our previous um, episode, I kind of went into the style of religion that we were talking about. And I got a lot of positive feedback from that. So I kind of I'm going to bullet point this out a little bit here um, with the... um, Methodist religion. I guess okay. So it's school a denomination. Me. Yes, I'm, I'm about to school. Okay. So <laughs> it's a denomination of the Protestant Christianity. It follows the doctrine of John Wesley. Um, Methodist comes from the quote unquote, the methodical way in which they carried out their Christian faith. It uh, focuses okay. on transform the transforming effect of faith on a character of the Christian. That is word for word. It seems a bit confusing to me, but I wanted to quote it directly. Okay. Um, they it's focus confusing al- to me too. It, yeah. Okay. So at least I wasn't <laughs> the only one. Um, but they focus on new birth assurance, imparted righteousness, and the possibility of entire sanctification. Also still a little confusing for me. But <laughs> their their primary focus of are on the creeds. So I, being, like, uh, brought up Lutheran, know that there's, like, the Apostles' Creed, and there's another one that I don't fucking remember what it is, but you were <laughs> supposed to memorize them for catechism. <laughs> okay. But the creeds basically summarize that Jesus died for all humanity, and the sal- he died for our sins. He died for the salvation of everybody else. That's, I mean, it's just two different, you know, scriptures of saying the same damn thing, basically. Right. Yeah. However, this eventually stemmed off into other type of Christianity movements or different segregations of that basic knowledge, I guess. One of which is what we're going to dig into today. So... I apologize for my verbiage on a lot of this because there's a lot of verbiage in here that I could not pronounce correctly. So that's my <laughs> disclaimer. We're just going to go with that. And please don't at me on the, the shit that I can't fucking pronounce. Cause, right. You know, we're we're going to um, try our best. I, I'm human and I'm diving into something that's uh, not necessarily clear to me. So all right. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Welcome. Welcome to the journey. So Calvinism. Um, This claims to be the most pure denomination of the entire Methodist movement. They believe that the church has the right to manage and govern its own affairs um, with complete disregard of actual rules, laws, anything that is, you know, considered to be court system law based. So basically, like, you know, in that religion, like the the church is going to handle their own affairs. We don't give a fuck about outside law type thing. Yeah. 
separation of church and state. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So diving deeper into that, and I promise I will explain these later. So diving deeper into that, we're going to talk about hyper-Calvinism. Okay, so bear with me here because I'm going to throw a couple of definitions out at you, but um, they're a little confusing. I got a little confused, but we're just going to get through them. You know, we're just going to yep. power through them. So hyper-Calvinism, it's a branch of Protestant theology that denies the universal duty of human beings to believe in Christ for the salvation of their souls. Basically, sufficiency equals efficiency. So it doesn't accept people that just like come fresh out the gate and say, oh my gosh, I believe and I'm here and I'm here to worship. I'm here to this, blah, blah, blah. No, bitch, you should have done that from the beginning. Either you uh, start fresh out the gate and do it and you're here and you're solid and you're there, you know, or, you know, you're nothing to them. That's kind of wow, what they believe. Like really? it's very like cut and dry. Fire and brimstone has been mentioned so many times in a lot of articles that I've read about them. That um, is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, like we talked about last week, you know, you can get baptized, you can be, you know, you can repent and get salvation at any point in time in your life, you know, and Jesus oh, yeah. will always, you know, blah, blah. Well, they don't believe that. They, they're like the hyper Calvinism is nope. You either came fresh out the gate. You're good to go. You always worshiped. You always did this. You always did that. And then you will be accepted accepted or you just didn't and you're a sinner you are judged you are etc etc so oh cool yep that right i mean who who has control over it when they're a child anyway nobody Ah, mm, uh, well you know they they beg to differ so oh, their sure. core their their core beliefs of the the hyper calvinism they people are all by nature quote-unquote dead in sin they are justified by faith alone and faith produces an inward and outward holiness. So basically, like, by birth, you are chosen to be holy. Kind of like, I mean, I feel like we talked about self-proclaimed prophets before with Sean uh, Gray. Maybe a little. And then maybe with uh, the Bakers. I think, I think it feels familiar to me. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe I, the same. Yeah, that's um, self-proclaimed prophets is, it's such a new thing to me i i really no i didn't even know what the fuck it was i'm gonna be honest with you i religion i tuned it out because i just didn't want to be a part of it something that i was forced to do i just it never appealed to me there was no oh the community is so great or oh i belong to the church or i never felt that so i never gravitated towards anything like that so like Hearing about self-proclaimed prophets was like a whole new thing for me. Okay, so I'm going to definitely dive into my own thoughts near the end of this episode. But since yeah. you brought this up, I have to ask you these questions. I, I'm just, you know, you're begging the question here. So being a person from the Midwest um, and because we came from two different flavors of the Midwest, but still the Midwest, nonetheless, the, the Rust yeah. Belt of America. You know, um, <laughs> Was religion a thing that was like thrown into your household? Was it something that it was like brought down from like grandparents to where it was kind of like, eh, we're listening, but it's not like an everyday thing. We kind of do it to make the elders happy. Like what, what was it in your upbringing? I guess like what, what part did it play? Okay. Um, zero. 
<laughs> it played no part, honestly. Okay. The the only thing there's there's two instances of religion. My dad was confirmed when he was a child, and then uh, my sister went to a Baptist church because she wanted to be a part of a community. Literally, that was it. Okay. So I have no. My parents didn't talk me into religion. They they never spoke about it, really. Uh, every time we went to Sunday school, it was only because my older sister was watching us, like I said. So there was nothing in my so your, family that I... Your, ol- your older sibling that wanted to be a part of something, so they went into the Baptist uh, yeah. congregation or whatever? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. It was just something to do. Right. Honestly. Okay. Like I'm, it was just I get that. some somewhere to to go, and you could be a part of the church. And and granted, you know, I didn't listen to a lot of the sermons or any of that. I was I was concerned about. I'm gonna answer a question right. I'm gonna get a piece of candy. I'm gonna suffer through this and then go the hell home. I'm not gonna. And nothing is being retained because I am being forced to be here, and I didn't like it. Really? Okay. So yeah. why did you feel like you were forced to be there? Because, because I of... was forced to be there because I was too young to watch myself and no one else was home to watch us that was of age. So we had so, to go. Okay. So it was a form of like your elder sibling chose this and you, yep. that's the babysitter in the, in the situation and yep. you had to go. Yes. I can understand the whole force to be there, but in a different <laughs> sense of the matter. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting. But you said that she was involved in the Baptist, like, yes, congregation. Okay. Yes. So I, just to like summarize, I was brought up um very strict Lutheran household, which right. I will get into that later in this episode. But one of my really good friends growing up was a member of the Baptist church that was in town. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean that that's where your friends are going of course your parents are going to say that's cool because it's you know with the church whatever so right you know and and i always thought that the baptist church was cool because they always had like overnights they always had like scavenger hunts they always had like the cool shit like lutherans didn't have the cool shit you went to catechism you went to this you you read the fucking books you did the workbook pages you had to show up there every wednesday at 4 30 nobody fucking wanted to be there it was you know which flavor (laughs) of teenage angst was sitting in this room like and uh if any of those five people that were in that with me that I'm still friends with three of them like hey bro what's up um you know but like you just did that shit because you fucking had to but like I always thought that like my friend growing up in school that was from the Baptist like they were very they had exciting things to do they had they had actual activities that I wanted to be a part of like you know like overnight they went to fucking laser tag man my church isn't going to fucking laser tag yep. what the fuck that's, that's you know? how they get you that's how they get you that's right how, that's how oh. they reel the young people in sure is because their <laughs> whole doctrine is about rounding people up getting them in because the more people that they get to sign into their religion the better they are for salvation i didn't learn that until later on in life it's all about yeah. recruit recruitment okay mlms because that's why most of the mlms come from a baptist background but yep we're not They're we're not getting into that it. we're not getting into that today but i'm just leaving that out there for everyone to you know chew on that for a minute Right, Anyways. we're gonna put we're gonna put the MLMs on the back burner, but we are yeah. gonna talk about those. We soon are too. gonna talk about them. <laughs> so, whew. 
enough with that sidebar. So with forms of religion, um, we have those select groups that follow these same doctrines, but they're what we call fundamentalism, like fundamentalists. Do you know anything okay. about fundamentalism? I did. I read some things about fundamentalism for uh, our next episode that I'm not going to say. <laughs> okay. So fundamentalism is a form of religion that upholds the belief in the most strict aspect. It's the literal interpretation of the exact scripture. So it is the strictest form yep. of what is verbally being said. Yep. You know, it is the like the solid, like exactly what it says is exactly what we're gonna do. There's no interpretation of it. There's no nothing. It is what it is. Yeah. So it sure is. It's fundamentals. You just break it down to bare bones. Yeah, exactly. So they believe in the superiority of religious teachings, the strict division between the righteous people and the evildoers. Like that's basically fundamentalism. But hell's gonna be lit, fam. I'm not right. worried about it. It is. All the cool people are going to be there. You know, I think so. But <laughs> let, let, let's circle back to old Freddy boy that we were talking about earlier. So, All right, Fred. All right. Come on. What, what said Fred here? What said Fred? We're going to go back to, like, his early days. So he was an Eagle Scout. He maintained extremely good grades. He was a, man, uh, a member of Phi Kappa, which um, oh, a, a little, uh, you know, Knuckle knock for anybody else that was because I was in college too. So, you know, were you really? Uh, yeah, uh, he was in high school, but it's a, a social fraternity of sorts that it's basically for like the scholars. Like basically, you get uh three point nine, four point oh through your entirety of your education, you get into you know Phi Kappa, whatever. Nice. It's like top honor society type thing. Ooh, fancy. Right. Right. I know. See how it's doing so well for me in life these days. But, you know, <laughs> but my parents really love that. They love that on my uh, resume thing. Um, oh, yeah. So he also was honored as the best drilled member of the Mississippi Junior State Guard, which is kind of like the like the reserves, like the military reserves. Okay. But before that, I guess. I don't right. know. Like here yeah. we kind of have like the auxiliary of like the vh and stuff like that i don't know i i, I did some research on it and just kind of seemed like it was uh the uaw vhw like type thing and the auxiliary of it the like we're right. training to be this type thing but he did graduate six in his class of 213 students oh, wow. um at at the age of 16 so i mean that's pretty Damn. fucking phenomenal i mean yeah, yeah. smart dude <laughs> right you know what i was After doing at 16 not that shit <laughs> That's for sure. Not, not that shit. No. So after graduation, he attended an appointment to West Point Military Academy, which anybody that is in a military-based um, situation or that's their job they're trying to go into, West Point's pretty much the, the creme de la creme. You know, yeah. I mean, that that is what it is, you know. And I found multiple articles that talked about the reason he got his initial interview was because of his dad, who was also a previous military, that kind of pulled some strings because he was only 16. So he was too young. No he, shit. I was going to ask. Normal people go in when they're 18. They can waive a 17-year-old with a parent consent if it's close enough to the, you know, 
birthday or whatever. Yeah. Um, but his dad pretty much pulled some strings and was like, no, he's 16. He's already accomplished all this, which I mean, I mean, obviously he has a laundry list of accomplishments. He's doing very well for himself. Right. You know, at this point. So pulled some strings, got him that thing. And old Freddie went there. He uh, attended the weekend, like, I don't know, campus I don't know, intro fucking weekend, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Oh, yeah. Like, at, at that um, point. Like a tour. Yeah, kind of like a tour. Mm-hmm. But um, he basically signed up, did everything his dad wanted him to do. And he said, yeah, fuck off. I'm leaving. Which <laughs> wasn't real that great. That sounds for... like a 16-year-old. All right. Mm-hmm. He said um, he wrote on his exit interview type thing on his paperwork that I'm choosing to pursue my religious calling which was news to literally everyone in his entire life. What the fuck? So um, at the age of 17, he was ordained by the Southern Baptist Association as a Southern Baptist minister, and he moved to Cleveland. Oh. Cleveland, Tennessee, not Cleveland, like Ohio. I I had to pause there hoping you'd be like, oh, shit, yeah, that's where I'm from. But no, it didn't. Oh, you tried to, she tried to trick me, y'all. I tried to, but it didn't work. So a combo of his, like, refusal of the appointment at West Point and his abandonment of his initial religion, which obviously I said earlier was Methodist, the Methodist yeah. faith by both his parents, it created a certain flavor of hatred of him towards his parents and his parents towards him. Oof. Friends said it came from an utter disgust of my father because he's so easy and disgusting that he would have have divorced and remarried twice in his lifetime, and it makes me sick, was a quote-unquote there. Okay. Uh, Okay, (laughs) 17-year-old Fred. I mean, I'm seeing lots of red flags at things so far. Yeah, so far, I'm seeing the same thing. Right. It's like, okay. So Fred was so pissed off that (laughs) he completely cut himself off from all of his family, including his his sister which was his only sibling. Uh-oh. To Good the start. point, to the asshole point where he returned all mail, all birthday cards, all Christmas cards, all Christmas gifts. All these were left unopened. They were just returned to sender. He even later on in life it said that he when he had his own children that he returned all their shit as well to his quote-unquote parents <laughs> and sister. Like he was like, "Nah, nobody's having any what? fucking thing." To do with my family. Wow. Yeah. What an asshole. Right. <laughs> You're not getting grandma and grandpa's presents this year, kids. Yeet. Right. <laughs> what the fuck? Do you even have them? Do you even have grandma and grandpa? Because I feel like you don't, you know? I mean, so, wow. That's intense. Especially so for kids. Right. So uh, we're feeling that 17-year-old estranged Midwestern teenage angst, right? So yes. what is that kid to do? What the, what does that kid do? He moves the fuck away. He moves as far as he can. I mean, I did it. Did you do it? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I'm here in Texas. I didn't move right. for hate, though. Right. I moved for See, work. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, my teenage angst, I mean, once I graduated college, of course, because I had to do that. I mean, I moved oh. to Washington, D.C., so, I mean, yeah. I did it. Yes. You know? I did. I did do that. I moved out when I was 16. So he moved as far away as possible. So he was like, 
I'm going to go to Cali because that's where all dreams are made of. You know, I mean, I didn't have that. Sure. Inclination, but a lot of people did. Right. So what does he do? Because he can't find work, he becomes a street preacher. Perfect. Sounds really oh, great. No. And lucrative. No. So <laughs> they're terrible. So he gets his um income or whatever the fuck joy out of lecturing folks on quote unquote the sins committed on campus by both students and teachers. That was uh, his that's his doctrine, is what he says. Okay. So I'm gonna had list a lot of topics to choose from, sir. Well, I'm gonna li- actually gonna list his topics. These are his topics oh. that he said that he preached on. Depending on the day that you walked by, was the sermon he was going to give. So these okay. are his sermon topics. Okay, promiscuous petting, evil language, profanity, cheating, teachers' filthy jokes in the classroom, or pondering lusts of the flesh. Okay. <laughs> okay. What is the difference between profanity and evil words? I evil language. Evil language. Oh, evil language. What what would that be? I'm not sure. I mean oh, damn it. This all sounds like a, a day in the life of most people I know, so I'm not sure. Right. I mean, you know? what else is college for? Education right. sometimes and partying. I don't know what the problem is here. Right. So <laughs> naturally the um the college that he was attending, he, you know, he enrolled himself into like a, I don't know, like a Northwest state style college, like, like a, a community college, a community college of that area okay. at the time, you know, to, to appease the uh, asshole parents that he was trying to get away from. But after his um, adventures of lecturing on the streets, uh, his college <laughs> ordered him to stop. He didn't listen. Um, so they decided to get him out of the fucking program. He was done. He was kicked out and it was actually Bob Jones college and he was kicked out in 1948. But these antics caused such a stir of events that he got his own like expose in time magazine uh, in 1948 where he got, where he got to freely talk about the topics that I listed prior, you know, so Right, Must have so been he, a slow news day. I mean, Time Magazine, I, I don't, I never read much of them, but I mean, for a whole ass article, I mean, he must have did pretty good. Either that or in yeah. 1948, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot going on, you know? I mean, what, what was the hot button topics in the 40s, you know? Right. So obviously, you know, he got kicked out. He no longer is getting assistance from like being a college student. So Callie was a bust. So like every Midwestern kid that's tried to move out and run away or do whatever in another city. What do we do? We fucking come back home. That's just what we do. (laughs) We bring our ass back home. Sulk in all the all the moments of that. We interrupt your regularly scheduled debauchery to talk to you about some other cool cats. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. 
Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. The show really feels like just kicking back with us at home and chatting about monsters and tragedies, but having a few laughs along the way. Just like we'd be doing if the mics were off, frankly. (laughs) You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. Forever and ever and ever. What do you think? Their links are in the description, so go check them out, you turkeys. Time to agitate the gravel and get back to Coolsville. So in 1954, he packs up his pregnant wife and their very newborn son, Whoa. and they head, they head to where all the magic happens. At least they thought so, was Topeka, Kansas. I mean, that would yeah. be my first choice from Cali. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's clearly I mean, the only choice, right? Solid choice. <laughs> so he um, was hired on the spot by East Side Baptist Church as the associate pastor. So that's looking up. You know, I mean, at least his resume is giving him a solid choice there. Oh, yeah. They're but, like, we read the Time magazine article. We want you. Right. We have nothing but like dust bunnies around here. So you're famous. We <laughs> like you. You're cool. Yes. You're fresh. But of course, he's extremely unsatisfied. So he opens up his pride and joy following of the year. I'm going to start my own church, and I'm going to call it the Westboro Baptist Church. Yuck. Boo. And here's where our story begins, folks. So Westboro. That was a journey. I know it was. Lots of definitions, lots of bullet points. But we are here. We, we, We got here. Thanks for staying with us. Appreciate it. Um, So Westboro was created to be an independent Baptist church because he thought he was going to be new and fresh and like not be completely fundamental, but also like kind of keep the same roles. He was trying to be like the young, hip pastor, you know, like, ooh, I'm going to do this because he's only 17 at this point. 17. Okay. He's seen a lot of life, but he's young, you know, young, cool, hip guy. I'm going to be the cool mom thing you know <laughs> right um, put put that uh if, if you know where that's from put that in your pocket for later because i'll quote that later um but he kind of fucks it all up because he chooses to preach on basically fundamentalism he preaches everything from scriptural like scriptural literalism oh that's a lot to get out there but wow he wants Yikes. to have his whole doctrine of primitive baptists so he's saying on the outward like hey you know thank you for making me an associate pastor here blah blah, blah. and also i'm going to start my own church and i'm going to go by this but then he does exactly opposite of what he says he's going to do so that's always a red flag yeah so he preaches that only a predetermined number of people that are selected for redemption will be saved on judgment day he also said that this determined amount of people was predetermined prior to when the world was created. So, like, um, biblical okay. Spi- scripture, okay? So, okay. And that is the founding of Westboro Baptist. So, the, it, it's already been said and done prior to when we were ever here, prior to all of that. 
it's been chosen who those people are going to be. Okay. So keep that in mind. I'm keeping it in mind because that's actually really interesting that you say that. Might it tie into something for next week? Maybe. I mean, maybe, but it seems to me like if we're already predetermined to reap the benefits, if you will, of this religion, then what the fuck does it matter what we do? You know what I'm saying? My thoughts exactly. Okay. So Thank you. I'm not yeah. crazy, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> okay. So a lot, like there was, you know, five or six I mean, it's Kansas. It's the Midwest. It. I mean, it's we're in the Bible fucking belt. Like, it's there's lots of churches, right? So there's lots of people in the Baptist community that he has made this church into this community, whatever. It's been, I don't know how you can say, like, regulated in the church community, but it's been regulated, accepted, whatever. He's been validated, I guess. Okay. Yeah, he's been recognized. Recognized. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, whatever it is, the association that he's supposed to be in for the Baptist, whatever. He's yeah. been involved in it, whatever. So he's, you know, getting his tax exempt. He's been getting all the, the benefits of being an actual quote unquote church. So, yep, recognized church. So in order for that to expand, you know, other preachers from other denominations, other like churches, all that stuff, they're all coming in like visit and like experiences sermons you know because i guess that's part of the whole the whole game there they weren't really really on board for the shit he was throwing out there they were not really happy with it they felt it was very hateful they they felt that he was alienating basically everyone in life aside from him and um his chosen you know squad i guess he pretty much alienated everybody that wasn't a blood relative of himself and said, you won't be saved. You were not the chosen ones. You know, it wasn't chosen beforehand. You know, just really like solid cut and dry. Seems great. The, Where do I right, sign up? <laughs> right. So, you know, he said, you know, Westboro Baptist, it uh, contains 70, member, 70 members and 11 of them were his own kids. So many, so many workings like said that he only claimed 11 kids, but there was a couple of documentary things that went in like they were like early 2000s, 2003 or four that went into his church and like interviewed him and said, how many kids do you have? And I was like, why the fuck do they keep asking him how many kids do you have? He always said 11. Well, then like another guy that came from the UK to come interview him said, you know, how many kids do you have? And he said, well, 13, but some of them don't agree with me. And I was like, what the fuck is that? So I had to dive into that. Um, He actually does have uh 13 kids, but he only claims 11 because the other ones, they, you know, took themselves away from the church. So he disowned them. So that was interesting. Oh, oh, okay. So some of the defectors, if you will. huh? Right. But then he preached, which is interesting because we'll get into when he has children uh, or or what he preaches on to his children, that 11 is the magic number. Because the 11 is new beginnings and this and that. He tries to throw numerology into it. Um, A different flavor of spiritualism that doesn't go hand in hand with Baptist. I'll tell you that. Um, (laughs) Right. But so obviously like his whole congregation pretty much he either told them to get the fuck away or they chose to leave and said, you know, you're not a real church. So, you know, his, his monetary issue came on hard times. So he was forced to sell vacuum cleaners. And um, 
Yeah, and old strollers, obviously from all his fucking kids. And then he also put his kids to work and made them sell candy bars door to door. Wow, you know time. what? In the Fun 70s. Fact, I almost sold vacuum cleaners door to door. Oh, really? Yeah, when I was uh, 19 or 20, I was so hard up for a job. I was thinking to myself, oh, I, I, I want to do something else besides working fast food. I worked in fast food basically my whole life. And finally, the opportunity came up. I was think, think I was 22 by the time I had this realization. Let's look on Craigslist. So I looked on Craigslist and there's all this make $500 a week, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, I'll go to this little meeting that they're having. So you sign in and then it's vacuum cleaner salesman. I'm like, oh, hell no. That's so weird. It's It's still happening. It's still happening. I feel like that's a code for something. It's got to be a code. You know, I don't know. I didn't I didn't stay long to find out. That's for sure. Right. So, you know, he employs all his, you know, quote unquote, 11 children at this time mm-hmm. to go sell fucking candy bars. Well, much like uh, the Sean Gray case, people paid for shit aren't getting their shit. They're pissed off, you know. Oh, so, yeah. In 1972, he was sued on three different accounts by three different companies that they never received their fucking candy. They wanted right. their fucking Where's, candy. Right. Where's my M&M's, asshole? Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So um, all I could find on that case was, and that was one of many, one of many. I'm not going to oh, bullet point them all, but there was about 47 cases of different things oh, that, I this, believe you. that this man uh, got into. But that one uh, was settled outside of court for monetary value, was what it said. So. Oh, okay. Someone got fucking paid off or got their candy. I don't know. One of the <laughs> Right. So the Westboro Baptist Church, it is an American Hyper Calvinist Church, uh, which is what I defined earlier, mm-hmm. aka a fucking hate group. Um, it is known for, yeah, it's engaging in inflammatory and anti-American pickets and picket signs. Yes. Let's talk about who they target. So they target atheists, Jews, Muslims, transgenders, and basically anybody in any denomination that is not the fucking Westboro Baptist Church. Everybody else is sinners. Everybody else is the enemy. Yes. Um, So let's keep in mind that the Westboro Baptist Church isn't even recognized by the Baptist World Alliance or even the Southern Baptist Convention, which is what we talked about earlier that he kind of got kicked out of or swayed out of. You know, they kind of just left and was like, eh, no, not for us. Right. No, Um, thanks. So this has people questioning, what is the fucking validity of this actual quote unquote church? You know, right. So they're hiding behind a facade almost. So let's kind of meet the family. Let's meet the family here. So one of the main players, like solid, you know, you know, main characters is Shirley Phelps Roper, which is his daughter, which is clearly his bread and butter. That is his darling baby child. Like he had 13, but she's the one. Why is she the one? Because she has a blind faith in everything that daddy tells her to do. And that's very clear. She's the daughter of Fred, and she's most well-known for the WBC, mainly because she's extremely boisterous. Her personality is stubborn. It's harsh. She has 
solid willingness to like spread the word of the WBC and she don't give a fuck what platform it is. She's going to scream it out there. She don't give a fuck. She is the first one on the front lines. She is the first one to say all the nasty shit. She doesn't care. She just wants to be out there. And that is how she feels she's going to reach salvation of the Lord because she is the first one to say something. Yeah, I I don't think so, but <laughs> neither do I. Um, so, so a little, couple of facts about Shirley: she had eleven kids. Because remember, we talked about earlier. Um, her dad said, you know, lucky number was eleven. So she followed wow. in daddy's footsteps, had eleven kids. She actually helped design the um the compound that the whole church lives upon, which okay. is a you know. Single family homes that are con- like they're constructed in like a circular, like I don't know, horseshoeish looking fucking pattern. Okay, where there's like a common ground in the middle. Mm, feels a little culty to me, but yeah, when anybody hello. brings up in the four documentaries that I watched that interviewed her, she just shunned at the fact of hearing the word cult. And he goes, well, I would like to know why it's not a cult because, you know, this feels, you know, blah, 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 and threw her out facts. Like, you know, you have a common meeting ground. You guys are living on a commune. You guys are following this and that. And she basically was just threw random scripture that made no sense at these people. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. Just throw some scripture wildly into the air and confuse your foe. <laughs> right. Uh <laughs> So she said that she takes all credit for creating the cluster of homes where we have a main common ground to not only commune with our our friends and family, but also we can let our children play in a safe community. Okay. Okay. Um, So their safe community inside of the little commune, let's be honest, is a commune, includes a pool, there's a cookout area, there's a basketball court, and there's soccer goals, so it's like kind of a half-assed soccer field, you know, they have like those moving like goalie things, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's in the middle of a bunch of single-family homes that all point to one direction, it's all in a circle. It's a fucking cult. It's a fucking cult. Okay? (laughs) So I mean, it sounds like a kick-ass apartment complex, really, but... Mm, well, I uh, I don't know. When I see the pictures, I'll see what you mean. Shirley's oldest kids were really fucking unpopular among any news outlet or, you know, any radio or type of any media platform that was coming to come talk to them because okay. they were nasty fucking assholes, basically. I mean, everything they said was really shitty, but this didn't keep people away. They were still on people like they were on Jenny Jones four times. They were on Ricky Lake multiple times. They were on Howard Stern twice, Um, once with Shirley and once with like two of the eldest daughters, you know, and not only like they had that, but they had the documentaries. And this is all news to me, like before researching this case, because, you know, you had brought this up like, oh, shit. Like when I talked about I want to do a cult. And you had mentioned this, and I was like, oh, shit, that's in the Midwest? Okay. Like, I remember it just being nasty, but I didn't remember anything about it. So Real bad. Real, real bad. Right. So Shirley uh, likes to talk a lot anytime that she's been put on any type of media. She likes to talk about her take on dating because everybody just seems to want to know about how she, what she thinks about dating. You know, this bitch has 11 fucking kids. She doesn't let her husband ever talk 
on any media platform at all. It's only her because oh, she is divine. She's divine blood from the church. So he he's an afterthought. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, cute, right? Okay, so her thoughts aren't dating is zero. None of my kid, none of my kids will date. None of my kids will look at the opposite sex. None of my kids will do any of that. They are not allowed. It's disgusting. They know it. Okay. What? All of how dating. Did, is, how are you supposed to get to know somebody? Right. All of dating is fornication. My girls won't show. They won't show the three B's: boobs, butt, or back. Those who do will burn in hell. It's like they're living the trash life that they actually are if they choose to do so. Okay. <laughs> what? So Yikes. obviously. Right. Obviously, you know, her daughters are considered, you know, pure blood in the religion, whatever the fuck. So they get asked questions, too. Oh, I hope so. Right. Here's some of the things like when the girls were asked what values, what core values they had or what were the core values of the WBC. These are some of the things that they said. So modesty is important. Young girls, um, we go to school and we see other girls that dress like fucking whores. We tell them plainly that they're going to hell because they're showing their back in public. That's one quote. Um, <laughs> I wish yeah. I had that much confidence. Right. And then exactly like, yeah, there's no lack of confidence in any of this family dynamic. Wow. at all. So then um, they asked one of the girls. So do you have any friends? And she replied, nope, and that's okay. Friendship with the world is very anti-God. Having friends is blatantly just deprives us of our godly doctrine, and that's disgusting. Okay. What the fuck? Dude, we are social creatures. We crave social companionship. Friends are not a burden. And that is the most ridiculous thing I've heard so far. Oh, girl. Well, it's going to get worse than that. So, Oh, great. Um, <laughs> so here's another thing. Another quote was, women are facilitators of pure lust. They're fornicators by nature. Women are evil. And that's why women must wear head coverings during all of our services at church. Which it what they did have a, a video thing of the church services and they do they have to wear these weird it's not like like a Muslim type of religious covering. No, it it's is like a, a veil, isn't it? No, it's not even that. It literally looks like a fucking Kleenex tissue set on top of their head. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and I, you know, I mean, I mean, chastise me for being an asshole and being blunt, but I'm just being honest. Like I understand, like different you know religions different cultures they have you know a cultural thing where it's you know right. it's held more proper to to cover your face or to be more modest i understand the whole modesty yes. thing i get it but it literally looks like they took a handkerchief or a tissue and set it on top of their head how is that making anything modest in the i mean i live in i'm sorry i'm going to really just go off the cuff here but like there are so many Mennonites here in this area in Archbold. Like, yes, they, you know, they wear their hair tied up. Their hair is covered. They have, you know, a, a hair covering. Like, that's part of their religious beliefs. You know, that that's what they believe in. Like, that is showing modesty by having their hair pinned up and then having a cover over it. There, there's yep. people that cover their face. There's things that do that. And I completely understand and respect all of those things. But. I, I urge you guys to go out and watch the um, 
the documentary. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember who it's from though. Uh, it's called the the most hated family in America. Um, it's from the BBC. You can purchase it on Amazon Prime, but if you or you can get like a free trial and watch it for like a week or something like that. I think that's what I did. But it's from the BBC and it's the most hated family in America. There's five segments, so because he checks back in at different times, but there is in the first one. Um, where you can sit in on one of the services. And it literally looks like the men of the church throw handkerchiefs, throw fucking Kleenexes on top of their heads. It doesn't cover anything. It doesn't cover their hair. It doesn't cover their face. It doesn't give any veil of modesty. It just looks like they're throwing trash on top of these women. And it pisses you know me off. what's funny, too, is I remember doing some research about another televangelist, Ernest Angley, and I know I talked to you about him before. But I did some research on him. Sadly, he did pass away. But he, his, you know, 90s and 9 club is still going on. And the Ernest Angley Ministries is still happening. And they have blessing cloths. And it looks like a little piece of, like, a drop cloth. And they bless it. And then they just put it on you or, like, touch you with really? it. Really? Yes. I'll have to. I wonder. I'll have to I, show you. I'll I wonder if that I wonder if that's yeah, I'm curious to see if that's similar. Cuz I really yeah, I mean it sounds like it. I'm I I'm, I'm talking shit but I I I if someone can give me a valid reason that I am wrong, I will accept that and I will apologize for my, you know, actions on the matter, but from the from me looking in like being you know, being I mean semi educated on different religions and, and different practices, I feel like I'm making an educated guess on what's going on in this situation. Right. But I could, I, I'm also like open to the fact that I could be wrong. So if I am wrong, like I encourage someone to school my ass, please, because Step I don't forth and tell us. Yeah, because I mean, it it looks detrimental to me. And if it's not, then I, I would love to know I uh, for sure. Like, honestly, it looks like Kleenex brand tissue. <laughs> <laughs> right i mean it looks like just kleenex is like just dropped on their head like with with no care at all you know we and will every... definitely post that too yeah if i can find a screenshot or something of that I, I i definitely will we definitely will but um moving on with these um things that you know their core values that were they were set on different uh, media platforms Per family bond is strengthened by the level of hate upon us, which we have from the outside world. We love the hate. We bring it in. It brings us absolute pleasure to think that you eventually will all burn in fucking hell. Wow. What a bold ass statement. Yes, we that is, do hate you. That is from Megan when she was 14 years old. <gasps> wow. And Foul. That, is, that is also taken directly from the the first episode of the docu series that I said from the BBC, the most hated family in America. I assure Whoa. you to to look at her face and look at her, just uh, look at her say that with such conviction. Like it's just it's terrifying it's and scary. It's gut wrenching to yeah. me, and I didn't even watch it, and now I kind of want to watch it. But yeah, it's at the same time, it's like. How can you be filled up with so much hate, contempt, and resentment and still think that you're going to heaven or you're going to be saved? Like, that shit is so mind-boggling to me. It doesn't, it literally 
does not make any sense. Same. Yeah, exactly. That's and like going into it. Like, I mean, I mean, I remember texting you telling you about like, you know, kind of a play by play of these documentaries. Like, I don't know if I can sit through this. Like, I just I've never experienced, I guess, visually such ugh, I don't blatant hate blatant like you're being hateful Dis- and you're cool yes. with it in the century that we're in right now. Like just, you know, disdain period for everything. Just, yeah. And so moving on, like the WBC is led by the doctrine of God. And that's why we think we're the only creatures on this planet that are a solid 10 out of 10. God thinks we're perfect. So um, okay. Shirley enrolls her 11 children in public school. You know, she's very open. Oh. These are all these are also in this documentaries. She is very open talking about enrolling her kids in public school. But she says that during their lunch break, they all know that they are to walk across the street of their school, uh, grab their picket signs, and they are to protest through their entire lunch break. They hold up signs that say God hates fags and Princess Diana is a fag enabler. Wow. Yeah, and she is making sure that hell is sprawling wide open because of what she done. I know that's improper English, but that is exactly what those things say. Okay. It's, they literally go, they, it's on the documentary that they're literally eating fucking Lunchables, holding these fucking signs. Like Lunchables sat on the ground. They're picking up their little, like, cheese meat, like, whatever. Uh, situation and holding these signs that I truly believe they don't even fucking know what they mean, you know? And then when the bell rings, they set down their signs, they grab their shit, they shove their like last piece of food in their mouth, they kiss their mom goodbye and they go back to school. Every oh my goodness, fucking that is the wildest day. No, see? You just Every keep surprising fucking me. fucking day. So Every day. Oh. So that makes me sick, man. Yeah. And this is where we're going to stop episode one of two because it's super long and it's super crazy but we are going to come back maybe later on this week if not next tuesday and give you the rest of the westboro baptist disaster always remember the code of the midwest don't talk to strangers don't go anywhere alone and lock your damn doors and as always We'll see you next Tuesday.